Hey, this is Scotty Vermillion. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Daniel Boone podcast today. We would like to invite you to worship with us at Daniel Boone Baptist Church in Gate City, Virginia on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock. Or you can join us on Facebook for live sermons and daily interactions that will keep you in touch with God and in step with His kingdom. I may or may not stay on track today. That's going to be completely up to the Lord. So if I get lost, I'm just going to throw this clicker down because I believe God has a word for us, and uh, I desire to give it to you. We're going to read out of the black and white print some today, too. There's a section, if I get to it, that's rather long, but it's important that you hear it. And so we'll get there eventually. But the, th- the title of today's message is this. It's over. Move on. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. And today, Lord, I am completely yours. And so use my lips to present a word that you gave me to your people. And God, like rain, Lord, the same drop that hits me won't hit my friend. So those that are sitting over here, God, you may speak a certain word to them straight from heaven. I pray it hits them. So God, give each person, just like the Holy Spirit, just like rain, God, give each person what they came to receive. And Lord, when the rain's over, we'll all be wet and we'll all leave here and we'll all go home with what you came to give us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Got a lot to tell you today, and so I'm going to try to stay on track, but if I, get, if I get off, it's the Holy Spirit, okay? On the front of your bulletin, you'll see the genealogy of Jesus, and we're we're going to go back there and, uh, and play around a little bit as we go through. It's a little different graph. I found a mistake in the other one, and so I, I looked it up, and, and it's even online as this chart's got a mistake. And so this one is more accurate, uh, and, and just a, it's just a picture of how everything man touches, we mess up sometimes, don't we? But this seems insensitive, doesn't it? It's over, move on. Because let's face it, I've been in places in my life, and so have you, that if I were to say that to you at a certain point, in a certain season, on a certain day, in a certain moment, you might give me some words that aren't allowed to be spoken in the church of God. You know what I mean? You might come back at me with something because it's a little offensive. It is for me. You know, when I'm hurting or when, I'm, I've been, when I went through a trial or I'm right in the middle of it, if you'd tell me just to move on and get over it, I'd probably tell you that's not what I need to hear right now. And so I don't know what you need to hear that's in this message, but I do know of one person, and my, my God told me this this morning that needed to hear this, and so that I'm going to make sure that person hears this, whether it's recording or whatever, but it can be for you too, and I'm certain that it is. But we could find ourselves, and I think in the church of God, and honestly just for people in general, we spend many, many, many days nights, weeks, months, and years struggling and stuck because it's so hard to get over stuff. You know what I mean? Like I watch it in high school and middle school, girls especially when there's a fight and there's friendship and it's broken, it almost never is repaired. And it's just simply because those things are real, they hurt. You know what I mean? And so I get, I get all that. And so I don't want to be insensitive today when I talk to you, but I believe that God is going to give you a life principle today that if you can get a hold of it 
and have the courage to actually apply it to your life and then pray for the power and the strength to walk out what I'm going to give you, I believe, I believe you'll see victory. I believe you'll see yourself moving on and moving forward and stepping into new blessings. And you'll become unstuck. I even believe that some people have stayed stuck for decades because they couldn't move on. Because they couldn't move on. I could take basketball. I coached for years. I could take a season, and Coach K wrote a book that says it's titled A Season is a Lifetime. And you can draw all kinds of life lessons out of it. And I'll draw it like this. If at any moment in a season you get stuck with a defeat or you get stuck with a player issue, or you get stuck with a a coaching issue, or a problem that's within your program, and you stay there, and you stay stuck, and you you just go over and over and over, you'll stay and remain stuck, and you will be defeated. There's no possible way you can win from that. And so I learned in coaching that when you suffer a defeat that you should not have suffered, and it was unfair, the official made a bad call, you know, or maybe you just stunk it up and it was fair and you got what you deserve. Maybe that happened too. But whatever the reason, and we're going to look at two reasons today why we get stuck. And I believe it's going to apply to every single person in this room. As a matter of fact, I know it will. If you've lived a while, it's going to apply to you. If you're young, it's eventually going to apply to you. I promise. Okay, I promise. But at times we get stuck. And if we stay there we'll find ourselves not inheriting the blessings that God has for us. Let's go back to last week, and we looked at that chart, and I thought it was so interesting, and I never really looked at it like, that, like I looked at it last week, and I've, I've continued to study it this week, and it's so interesting that from the throne of David, God brought the Messiah, and it's neat that Mary was from the lineage of David, and so was Joseph, the husband of Mary, not the father of Jesus, the stepfather of Jesus. Who's the father of Jesus? Yeah, God, the Holy Spirit, right, came upon Mary. But in Mary's account, in Luke chapter 3, verses 23 through 38, search it out yourself and research it. Here's exactly what happened. Remember last week we read Ruth? I gave you the cliff note version. Those of you who are old enough to know what cliff notes are. We read Ruth, and, and we saw how Obed was the child of Ruth and Boaz, the promise, the redeemer, the, the restorer of Naomi's faith, of her hope, of her joy. And Obed begat Jesse. So Jesse was the uh, son of Obed. And then David, the son of Jesse. And then Nathan, the son of David. And we're going to be right in there today as well. We're going to talk about David. We're going to talk about Naomi just a little bit. But this is Mary's genealogy. And we see that Joseph, the grandfather of Jesus, the father of Mary, was biologically related to David, okay? And then we go on the other side in Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 16, and we find that Joseph, the stepfather of Jesus, his bloodline goes back to Obed as well, or, or to David as well. And so it all kind of started, and you think about Naomi, and Naomi experienced hardship, didn't she? Yeah, and it, it was of no doing of her own unless I'm missing something in the Bible. She fled where she was to feed herself, and we often do it too. God sometimes takes us to a foreign land, not, not by our choosing necessarily, but by necessity. And he has something to give us there. Now, when we get there, we think in the church of God that it's all, it's all joyous and happy. But what happened to her? She lost her husband. She lost her two sons. And now she's left with two daughters-in-law. And y'all remember the story. And it goes back. Ruth stays with her. Orpah leaves. 
But we see redemption through Obed, Ruth's son from Boaz. And we see that Boaz was a family redeemer. Y'all remember that? But Joseph's genealogy is here, and it goes from David to Solomon. That's where the mistake was in that chart. I've looked and looked, and it's a mistake. That other chart, if you look at it, says that Joseph came from uh, uh, Nathan, but he didn't. And so we see Joseph on one side, and if you look at the front of your bulletin, you'll see the correct chart. It's a little different. But we see that the Messiah came from the throne of David. And so Jesus, from the throne of David, I'm going to read this to you. So the Lord Jesus was the son of David, the biological descent of Mary, and he was also the king of Israel, which gave him legal right to the throne, because that was important. You know what I mean? That was important that he was legally, in Judaism, in Judaism, it was a legal right to the throne, okay? And so he had the legal right through Joseph, and we see Jesus from the throne of David as, as uh, prophecy, prophesied in, in Psalm 30, 130 to 11, it says, The Lord has sworn in truth to David. He will not turn from it. I want to ask you this. What truth has God sworn to you? Or what thing has God sworn to you? Or what word has God gave you? He will not turn from it. But he said this, I will set upon the throne the fruit of your body. And he said that to David. And again in Isaiah 9, 7, the prophet Isaiah says, Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And listen to this, upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from, the time, from this time forward, even forever. So the Messiah came from the throne of David. I want to give you a couple things here. And here's, here's the message today. Here's number one. Generally, we go through suffering and pain and struggle for one of two reasons. Now, I know there's more broader reasons, but for two general reasons. One is this one, the kind that we experience by no fault of our own. I tell this story, and it's silly, and it really didn't bother me, but just a few minutes, and then I was over it. But in the seventh grade, they come in, and they said, all these students go to the, go to the library. You've been chosen as gifted and my name was called, and when I got in there, the lady that was actually doing it, she started doing the roll call, and she, she finished, and she looked at me, and she said, and what's your name? And I told her, and she says, you're not on the list. And so I had to go back. I was not gifted, okay? I had to, I had to go back to class. I didn't choose that, but it was just nothing really major. But it's, it's silly that I say that story, but how many times in our life do things happen, and out of no choice or fault of our own, we lose our job? or we get transferred, or we, we experience death. And, and again, I told you at the beginning, you're going to have to have some courage and boldness to receive this word because if I say something that really scratches a scab or maybe hurts a little bit, I don't do it on purpose. But the loss of a child, that's a parent's worst nightmare. Or the loss of a parent, you know, we, we dread those things, and then when it happens, it hurts so bad. Or divorce. You know, infidelity, all that stuff that seems sometimes to happen to us that we didn't choose. And that's what I'm talking about here. That's, that's the kind that Naomi experienced. And I'm going to say that Naomi got to a place, if you remember, where she changed her name. She said, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, which means bitter, because the Lord has taken from me everything that was close to, to my heart. The Lord's been cruel to me. That's basically what she said. And I'm sitting in a place, and I don't find anywhere where Naomi deserved this. But she was sitting in a place where she had to endure hardship. 
We're going to talk today about what she did. She didn't remain in Moab, did she? Mm-mm. She came home, didn't she? And Ruth came with her. There's another kind, and I want to read this to you about Ruth first. I do want to take you to the end of Ruth, and I want you to realize something. Those of you who are stuck out of no choice of your own because of something that happened to you, you can bank on the same promise that's in the Old Testament because it's a picture and it's there for a reason and it's there for you to be encouraged today that Ruth, at one point later on in life, held the child in her lap and cared for him and she began to give life over again. Because life is not what you get, is it? Mm-mm. Life's about what you give. And those of us who are waiting around for life to get better and for life to pour out blessing on me, you're, you're going to be sitting there for a long time, maybe decades waiting. When God has called you to move from Moab, go back to your hometown, not necessarily your hometown, but that's what he did with Naomi, and he'll bless you with Ruth. And as you help Ruth, and encourage Ruth to go out and find food in a field that somebody might show you favor, you'll see the handprint of God. This is awesome. If you don't hear nothing else, hear this. As you go, you'll see the handprint of God weaving and manipulating in a good way things to happen in such a way that Boaz, the family redeemer, research that. The Bible's so full, I can't give it to you, but research it. It's important was the one to hook up with Ruth. And did you hear what he told her? He said, don't go gleaning in any other field. You stay right here. You know what I'm talking about? He He knew when he saw her. And God has worked that out for Naomi. She didn't stay in Moab. She went back and she encouraged Ruth. And then at the end of Ruth, it's only got four chapters, it says, Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom. Some translations say, took him and laid him in her lap. I just imagine this. She took the baby, just like any grandparent would, and cared for him. She became a nurse. And you can apply that to, in, in any way that you want to. Nurses give life. They just do. You ever been in the hospital? Yeah. Thank God for a good nurse, right? Doctors come in and prescribe, but the nurses are the ones that give, that, that give the medicine. Naomi, in the final years of her life, she began to give again. There's where life is. It's in the giving. And you and I try to fill our life and fill the void and fill the hurt and fill the pain by looking in the past and saying, what if, what if, what if? You can't change the past. I have sulked in my misery before for days and maybe even months and years. But God is teaching me, and I know you have too, to move on. It's over, move on. You can't change what happened. Naomi moved on. Second category, and this is a tough one. This is a tough one. Here's where we most often get stuck the worst. The kind that we experience as a result of our own decisions. Now remember, these are Old Testament stories. I'm going to tie them to you and to me and to our lives But there's something different about these Old Testament stories and the New Testament church and the believer. I'm going to tell you that in a minute. But let's talk about David for a second. From a savior to a king. We pick up and we learn a little bit about David. And if you go to the front of your bulletin, you're going to see Jesse, David, and then from David, Jesus, right? He's an important figure in the history of Christianity, isn't he? He sure is. 
But you remember when he was a shepherd boy and his brothers went out to fight, but he stayed back to watch his father's sheep. Do y'all remember that? And his father said, hey, won't you go check on your brothers and take them a little food? And take, take the leaders of the army some food too. And so David is obedient, and he does what his father tells him to do, and he goes and he moves. And when he gets there, he hears their grumbling because Goliath had been coming out and challenging the children of Israel, and he was a big old man. And when we, when we took, take the Old Testament and we look at a giant named Goliath, it's not always flesh and bone. Sometimes our giants are thoughts because it all starts in the mind. We are defeated way too often by giants that are only in our mind. Remember I told you a few weeks ago, the movie that you make up in your mind often keeps you from moving forward. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if gas prices go way up? What if uh, the world ends and all that stuff? Hey, listen, if the world ends, we're better. Paul said it. To live is Christ and to die is gain. We know where we're going, right? But David goes out and he says, who is this Philistine? And they talk about Goliath a little bit. And he says, well, I'll fight him. Remember he put on uh, Saul's armor and it didn't fit. You remember that? Which is, a, which is an Old Testament picture. Don't fight with somebody else's weapons. Fight this battle with what God gave you. You see what I mean? I was designed to be a coach, and now here I am, a pastor. Now, those aren't the, most, the two most important roles in my life. The first one's a husband and then a father. You know, and prior to that, it was a son and a grandson. Those are important roles and titles. But God has designed me a specific way, and I can't fight battles the way you fight battles, so don't expect me to. And that's a huge thing in the union at home, too. Husband and wife, you guys are, are a union, and you should fight together. But sometimes you fight them a little different with different personalities. So David goes and says, get this off of me. Give me my slingshot and my stone. And that's what he used to defeat Goliath. And so we find David, victorious David, good-looking David, Strong, mighty warrior David, go from shepherd to king. And you'll just have to read it. I can't give it to you. It's too long. But it's an awesome transition from who he was when he was young to king. And then it talks about David going out in battle and fighting and fighting and fighting and never losing. And then one day he almost lost. He, matter of fact, he almost got killed. And you know what happened? He had a friend. Anybody know his name? I know you know it. Abishai. Abishai stepped in protected him and said, never again do you go out to battle with us. Because at one point in his life, David became weary. Have you ever been weary from going through whatever it is that you went through or are still going through? And you get so tired that you're like, I, I don't know if this is worth it. And then you start to question God and you start to doubt God and you start to think, this walk of Christ that I'm doing, this walk of faith, it ain't working. But Jesus is sitting over here and saying, if you'll just have enough faith and stick with me for a while, Naomi, and walk this thing out, Obed's coming. And so David starts in those moments to see some things change in his life. No longer has everything went his way. You know what I'm saying? But he still remains king. And as king, he gets certain privileges gets to make certain decisions, just like you as king of your home, head of your household, or whatever. And I'm going to go to chapter 11 in 2 Samuel. Here's what happened. And it goes back to, and I'm going to try to stay on track, this. Have you ever made a mistake? That's what he said. Have you ever messed up? Every one of us has. 
Some of our mess-ups are public, and those hurt. Those are actually humiliating. They're embarrassing. Some of them are more private. But we've all messed up. And so we struggle. And we stay stuck. But 2 Samuel chapter 11, I'm going to show you where David got off. He got off track. And this will apply to everybody in here. Every adult in here, this is going to apply to you. It says, it happened. What's it? Whatever it is. I know what his it is because the Bible tells us. It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle. Now, I'm going to stop right there. What was David supposed to be doing? Anybody know? Going out to battle. David was supposed to be going out to battle. I'm supposed to be parenting. I'm supposed to be husbanding. And I don't even know if that's a word. I'm making them up as I go. I'm supposed to be coaching. I'm supposed to be pastoring. I'm supposed to be principaling. I'm just giving you my account of, of what I, how I, I'm supposed to be taking care of the things that God has given me to take care of, whether it's my home, whether it's my family, whether it's my church, whether it's my job. And it is a 24 and a half hour duty, maybe 25. Does anybody else feel like theirs is the same? Raise your hand. It's the same, isn't it? You have the exact same call in your life as I do in different places. We're all positioned, and we're supposed to be going out to battle. And it says it happened in the spring when, this, when he should have been out to battle that David sent somebody else, Joab, and his servants with him, and all Israel, and they, and they destroyed the people of Abraham. God's, God's gift is still on him. His anointing is still on David. And those that believe this or not, when God puts his anointing on you, he also puts it on those that he calls to you. And you're responsible for leading those that he calls to you. But anyway, it says that they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, but David remained at Jerusalem. He was not where God had prescribed for him to be. And here's what happened. He looks out his window, he sees Bathsheba, and he says, I think I want my servant, I think I want her to come see me. And it happened like that. She gets pregnant. He says, oh, no, it's Uriah's wife. Hit one of his main, one of his main dudes. You know what I mean? And so he calls for Uriah to come home, and he encourages Uriah to go home and be with Bathsheba for a few days. And Uriah is so faithful to the king and to Israel that he says, no, I'm going back where my people are, and I'm fighting. They're not going to be fighting without me. He had more gumption and character and courage and, and nobility and honor than David did, the king, at that moment. Who does the Bible say David is? A man after what? God's own heart. This is a good guy. David is not a bad guy. Matter of fact, David is God's chosen. Don't believe me? Look at the front of your bulletin. He's right in the middle of it. The Messiah came from David. Bloodline through Mary, kingship through Joseph. David's an important guy. God don't give important people or bad people or terrible people or sinful people or people destined for hell. He don't give them this stuff. This guy's one of his. But he messed up. Then, because Uriah chose not to go and do what David tried to get him to go do, he went back down to the battle. He called forth and said, hey, put him on the front lines. And essentially, he murdered, he murdered Uriah. And the Bible, if you read, when it talks about the lineage and we see Bathsheba being in there, it doesn't call her Bathsheba. What's it call her? Uriah's wife. 
Read it. It's God's way of reminding us that even in stupid decisions, (laughs) I shouldn't say that word right, uh, foolish decisions, even in and through that, he can and does weave together his will for his people. I think that's an awesome picture for us. Uriah's wife. He messes up, he has Uriah killed, and now we see chapter 12. David. Nathan has a word from God that he goes to David with, and here's where I have to read a little bit. Please don't go to sleep. Please follow me. It's not up here. It's in the Word. If you want to turn to 2 Samuel chapter 12, I'll give you a second to do that. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. And listen, you want to hear this because every one of us has been right here. You may be there now. Nathan's parable and David's confession. You ready? Chapter 12, verse 1 in 2 Samuel says, Then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said to him, There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb which he had bought and nourished, and it grew up together with him and his children. It ate of his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in his bosom, and it was like a daughter to him. And a traveler came to the rich man, who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb, the only lamb he had, and prepared it for the man who had come to him. And so David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. And he shall restore fourfold for the lamb, because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And then Nathan in verse 7 said to David, you are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping, and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I also would have given you much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. Verse 12, for you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel, before the sun. Verse 13, so David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. An important verse for you to hang on the clothesline in your mind. I have sinned against the Lord. This is confession. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put your sin, has put away your sin. You shall not die. However, because this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also who is born to you shall surely die. This is the child that David and Bathsheba conceived. Then Nathan departed to his house. And the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and it became ill. 
parents' worst nightmare. True? Parents' worst nightmare. David, therefore, pleaded with God for the child. And David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. He didn't eat. You ever been so miserable and in, that you couldn't eat? Absolutely. So the elders of his house arose. He wasn't fasting out of choice. He was fasting out of necessity. He couldn't eat. So the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the ground, but he would not. Nor did he eat food with them. Then on the seventh day, it came to pass that the child died. And the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they said this. Indeed, while the child was alive, we spoke to him. And we would not heed, or he would not heed our voice. How can we tell him that the child is dead? He may do some harm to himself. Verse 19, when David saw that his servants were whispering, David perceived that the child was dead. And therefore, David said to his servants, is the child dead? And they said, he is dead. Verse 20, transitional verse. So David arose from the ground. He washed and anointed himself. Now listen, he just lost a child. Now he's not being, it's not that he didn't care for this child. If you go back a few verses, what had he been doing? Praying to God, laying on the ground, not eating because his soul was in deep despair. But it says David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord and he worshiped. Have you ever had to try to worship while you were ticked off at the world? Mad at God? Mad at yourself for making the mistake you made? And now you see the fruit of it. You ever been there? That's where he was at. And it says he went into the house of the Lord and what did he do? He worshiped. Man, there's something powerful about worship. And sometimes I have to worship by just turning absolutely everything off. My phone, my thoughts, my situation. Like I'm in the middle of a situation that stinks royally. I have to turn it off. And I have to get along with God. When my nephew died, I'm not going to lie to y'all. It was hard. It, was, it wasn't something I asked for. And my family's here today and they'll tell you it was awful. It was a month or two later that God took me outside and allowed me to grieve on a, on a railroad tie with nobody looking, and I didn't have a word to say. I just grieved. You know what I'm talking about? Many of you, most of you understand what I'm talking about. I didn't ask for that. But in those moments, I also worshiped God. And I can tell you that this guy went next play. And I know you guys do too, and we have to. You got to go next play. You got to get up and go. And David, right here in these verses decided to worship and go next play. It says, then he went to his own house, and when he, when he requested, they set food before him, and he ate. I don't think the food tasted good, and I don't think he necessarily wanted to get up and go do what he went and did. But he was a man after God's own heart, and God had his hand on him. God doesn't promise you or me that tough days won't come. He don't promise us that when, we, when we're his. This thing wasn't supposed to happen to me. This situation I'm in was supposed to happen to people who don't love you, Lord, but I do love you. David was a man after God's own heart, but he got up and ate. And then his servant said this to him. Listen to this. 
What is this that you have done? You fasted and wept when the child uh, and wept for the child while he was alive, but when the child died, you arose and ate food. See, I don't want to lose my place. See, here's here's the carnal, fleshly, natural response to loss. It's to lay down, quit trying, and grieve. You ever done that? Just quit trying. It didn't work out. Naomi said it to God. She said, or she didn't say it to God. She said, I call me bitter because God's been hard on me. She didn't lay down, did she? No, she moved. The natural, earthly, and again, we have three enemies. The world, the devil, and what's the third one? The flesh. You can't always do what your body and your mind is trying to tell you will make you feel better, even if it's laying down and never moving again. That's, that's not wise. It's not biblical. You're going to find nowhere in the Bible where God allowed somebody like Jonah to run into the belly of a whale and lay there and die. Jonah had something to do, and God got to him eventually, and when the whale got rid of him, Jonah decided to follow the Lord. It's all through Scripture. You can't lay down and die. God, if you're still here, what I said at the beginning, you still have a purpose. God will take you when it's time. And if you're like me, I've been in moments in my life where I was ready to go. I didn't understand that when I was young and in church and old people get up and say, I'm ready to go. I get it now. I do get it. I don't want to die. I want to live. Don't hear me wrong. I don't, I'm not ready, but I'm just saying when it's time, God knows, and he'll take you. Until then, get up, eat some food, wash your face off. It's over. Move on. Verse 22. And he said, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept. For I said to myself, this is David, who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? I want to say this to somebody. If you're still in a situation and you're fighting for it, and God's not released you to release it, then keep fighting for it. Don't quit something God's called you to just because it don't feel good. That's a courageous word that you're going to have to be courageous to swallow. That's a word you're going to have to be bold to chew on and swallow. Don't quit something because it's hard. I went to school with some people that went off to college and I'm getting a little late, but I got, I got to give this to you. I went to school with some folks who went, I, I know he went to four colleges. He wasted his parents' money. He wasted scholarship money because when it got hard, he quit and went somewhere else. And I'm not saying God can't use that. God can use transfers and all that. And sometimes we go to the wrong place. I'm not telling you that you're a failure if you transfer schools. Don't hear that from me. I'm just saying resistance is not a sign of God not being with you, a lot of times it's a sign that God is with you and he's training you. He's teaching you. He taught David. All of that that I'm talking about happened to the left of David. That means it happened before Solomon and Nathan. What did God birth? Oh, we're going to get to it. I, I can't do it yet. He said, while the child was alive, I prayed. But it says this, but now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? Somebody needs to hear this, and you need to speak this to yourself. And I think it's powerful when you actually speak word. Get, get away from everybody and speak to God and speak it. 
and your soul will hear it. You need to speak this word to yourself. Can I bring it, him, her, that back again? And the answer is no. No. It's over. It's over. Move on. You lost this one, move on. I'm going to give you something else that's going to bless you here in a second. I shall go to him, talking about his son, but he shall not return to me. See, the thing about my nephew was we, the, the spring before he passed away in August, he and I had some conversations. He gave his life to the Lord. I was privileged to baptize him. Isn't that awesome? Right up here in a church in this community. And it wasn't long. He passed away in August. That was like March. I'll get to see him again. You see what I'm talking about? And the same thing with us. We're going to see our loved ones again. Don't stay in Moab. Move. Move forward. Listen to what verse 24 says. This is awesome. And stop. Let's not go there yet. This is important too. In this Old Testament account of this child that David and Bathsheba conceived and was born and God struck it. The Bible says he struck the child with illness. If you let yourself, you'll take a piece of the Bible in the Old Testament and you'll think that your deeds caused, that, caused your situation, your child, whatever it is, to die. That's not biblical. That's an Old Testament picture. Guess who paid for your sin in the New Testament? Yeah, that's right. Somebody did have to die. But there's not a thing you can do, and I've had to fight this, and I know you have too, in my own spirit, and I'm thankful to God that, he, that he's given me clarity on this. Your deeds will influence your kids, but when something like this happens, it's not your fault. It's just part of life. There's a lot of things that happen in here that I don't like and you don't like. And we move on. We go from Moab back, back home, and, and God restores, and he, do, he weaves it all together. Don't think that you've messed up so royally that this, that's Old Testament picture. When it talks about the death of a child, draw the picture over here. Bring it over to where Jesus, God's own son died. He gave his own son for us. That's biblical. And now every sin that I have ever committed, God's forgiven me. And this is where I can't get it. Every sin that I'm going to commit, God's already forgiven me. That doesn't mean I can go sin. There's consequences to sin. It just means that I can walk with courage and boldness. What's the difference in walking in confidence and walking beat down? You all know people like that. When they get up in here and sing, you know what I pray for? Confidence. Because when you do something with confidence, even when you're wrong, it's productive. You know what I'm saying? Like if I get up and teach you something, uh, a, a bad chart, you know, it was wrong. You need to look at that and throw last week's bulletin away. But it just goes back to the carnal nature of we make mistakes. All right, Solomon is born. You ready? All of that happened. And if David would have laid around and sulked in his misery, verse 24 would have been left out of the Bible. You ready? Then David comforted Bathsheba. She ain't called Uriah's wife here. It's Bathsheba. She's now become his wife. Why? Because in verse 11, or verse, uh, I think it was 11 or 13. You go back and look at it. He repented. He confessed his sin, and the Lord was faithful and just to forgive him of his sin. He moved on. Then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and went into her and lay with her. And so she bore a son, and he called his name Solomon. Solomon. Isn't that a good name? 
That's a family name on the front row. Now the Lord loved him. Remember we preached about Solomon a few weeks ago? The Lord loved Solomon. And he sent word by the hand of Nathan to the prophet, and so he called his name Jedidiah because of the Lord. Here's your life principle. Because many of us think that, no, we don't think, we don't think this. Many of us are stuck in misery and hardship and struggle because I believe we choose to stay stuck. I might be wrong on that. Maybe, it, maybe it's just overpowering for you. But I believe we choose to stay stuck. The Bible says to move on. And all this happened right here. Right here somewhere. And if David would have laid around and not went next play, moved on, guess what would have happened? Do you think history would have just been terrible? No. God would have chose some other way to do it. That's why he does it. When we decide that we don't want to be used of him, he'll use somebody else. I believe that. But God was so driven to use David. And out of his bad choice, his mistake, Bathsheba, the death of a child, was birthed Solomon. What do we have in here that Solomon wrote? Help me. Somebody say it. Proverbs. How much wisdom and understanding is in the book of Proverbs? What would we do without Proverbs? I mean, we'd probably make it, but God would have had to substitute Proverbs and had somebody else write it. I don't know. But Solomon wrote it. Isn't it wonderful that out of our mistake is birthed wisdom and understanding? How many of you made a big mistake in your life and you made sure to never do that one again? You see what I'm saying? Out of your mistake is birth wisdom. But what if we never make that mistake? We might never learn that wisdom piece. God allows it to happen. And I think that's an awesome picture of how he puts his word together. And so today's application principle, and I'm done. I've went five minutes over, is this. Joy, peace, purpose, restoration, in all caps, new blessings. Obed for Naomi. New blessings. Hope. Power and strength will absolutely 100% come. It's in the word of God. It's the promise that God gives to you and to me. It will come, but guess what you must do? You got to move. Don't stay stuck. It's over. Whatever happened, happened. You got to have some courage and forgive me for saying it like this. Get over it. Move on. Move on. I'm not being mean. I'm just being honest. Move on. It's time to move on. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, God, you have a group of people gathered here today that needed to hear this word. God, I have been stuck in my heart and in my spirit and in my life before. And you brought some of those times back to my memory this week. Lord, there's some people here and some people listening online and some people that might watch this video five years from now. You'll pull it up on purpose for them. Who are absolutely stuck because of something that's happened that they had no control over or they're stuck because something has happened that they had absolute control over and they messed up. But God, the word that you sent to me to give to them today is very simple and it's very clear. It's over, confession, move on. And so God, it's time for us to move on and we move on from this place. 
And God, I'm not even looking around, and I don't want anybody to look around. I just pray, God, at this time, anyone who needs strength to move on, raise your hand to heaven, to God, not to me. God, you see these hands? I pray your special divine touch upon each life and heart today. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.